Our subject matter tonight is the most glorious, the most magnificent, the most powerful, the most worthy preaching topic that exists. Perhaps even the most important thing that a mortal man could spend his life pursuing. Oh, come on now, brother. You can't be serious. It's the best. Like Song of Songs says, there is nothing else quite like it. Can I get an amen, Linton? Our subject matter tonight is building the name, part two. We want to start off tonight building on building the name, part one. But we want to start out tonight with a scripture, and then we're going to pray again. Proverbs 29, 18 says, in the King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. We pick and choose. Tonight, we are going to ask God to fill our eyes with vision. This is a church with a vision for God. We have a vision to build His name across the globe. We have a vision to stretch out across the United States. So tonight... We are going to pray and ask God to fill every single person's eyes, every person's eyes, the youth, the working men and women, the older women, and the older men and women. We are going to ask that God fill our eyes with vision because we're going to need more of it. Amen. Amen. We are going to need more vision to act on what God has told us to stretch out across the globe. So you want to pray with me? Yeah. Yeah. Father, Lord, we ask as we get in your word tonight, Lord, that you would open up our eyes. Lord, that you would increase our understanding of the word. Lord, that you would fill our eyes with vision for your name. Lord, that we would look at every task, that there would be nothing too difficult for your name. There would be nothing that is too far out of our reach to go and get it for your name. Lord, you are the awesome, mighty, and worthy God. Lord, we ask that you would fill us Fill us with your vision so that we can carry out what you have given this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, I so, I so want the Lord's vision in my eyesight. I so want the Lord's perception to be my perception as we look forward toward the future as a church body tonight. I so want that. Before we look forward, we have to look backward a couple days to that message from Sunday entitled Zero Faith, we are so proud of the sacrifices that were made in this place a few days ago. So, so, so proud. It's a joy. I want to tell you, it's a joy tonight to be able to stand and worship with men and women that are the caliber that you guys are. It's a joy to be able to be in a place where we're not dependent on just the sacrifice of some, but the sacrifice of all. Hallelujah. You guys have real faith, a real gospel kind of saving faith, and it's going to sustain us for the future and where the Lord's going to take us. You guys want to hear just a couple uh, points that impacted me the most from Sunday's message? I do. I think it'll be a really good refresher to kind of whet our appetite for sacrifice again. You and I are called to enter into the house of God to contribute. We have to put this uh, 
consuming kind of mentality behind us because we are contributors to yeah. the kingdom of God. We are called to come in and to give everything yes. that the Lord's given to us and to give it freely. Amen? Amen. Look, to be distinguished in God's sight, you're, you guys remember the Nazarites? To be distinguished in God's sight, you must have the faith to be left with zero. And guys, I can tell you that you put this distinguishing faith into practice just a few days ago. And that's just the beginning of the beautiful thing that the Lord's doing in our midst. We're in a season and in a moment where we have a special opportunity to sow into the kingdom and into the one association. Guys, this season is so special. It's like the door is open for us. It's like the Lord's opened up that, that door for a special kind of sacrifice in His kingdom. Right here, right now. And it's our time to seize it with everything that we have. It's our time to sacrifice with everything that we can possibly give. Because the door's not going to remain open forever. It's a season, guys. It's a season and we have to walk through it. You know, everybody wants to join in a kind of church like this. But very few are actually willing to pay full price. If you want the kind of first century church that we dream about, then we must have the mutual sacrifice of all. And you guys put that into practice a few days ago, and we're going to continue to mutually sacrifice all of us together every time. And we're going to build that church that looks like the first century and goes farther than what the first century church did. We're going to do that. Do you believe that? Come on, guys. you got to get excited about this. We're going to take what the first century church was, and we're going to go farther with it. Man, I want this body to be distinguished among all the churches. Not just all the churches in the one association. Not just all the churches in the United States. But all the churches in this entire world. I want this church... To be a church where the Lord looks down and says, that church right there, that church sacrifices for my name. That church goes to zero any time that they think that that a sacrifice is necessary or even it would please me. Their heart is to please me with their sacrifice. And he looks down on us and he says, I can depend on that church to sacrifice to the point of pleasing me every time. I want that so badly. We can do it. LCM, can we do it? We can do it. All right, so as we jump in to Building the Name Part 2, we're going to recap a little bit of Building the Name Part 1. You guys remember that message? Yes. In Building the Name, we talked about the seven names of God and the progressive revelation of His name. You remember that? We talked about the seven names in Genesis, and we talked about how God's name always increases the revelation. Your revelation is always growing. We talked about God chose a place for His name to dwell. Where is that place, church? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. We talked about how in that place, Jesus made God's name known even further. We talked about Jesus being the true glory that filled the second temple. And then we ended on every believer being a temple for His name to dwell in. Man, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. You are a temple for God's name to dwell in. Tonight, we're going to carry that even further. We're going to talk about how to take that name and stretch it and go further with it. Amen? Amen. 
We need to see the name of God in action. We need to see the name of God expressed in its fullest form. Do you want to do that? We started the message praying for a vision. To have that, we need to first have a fuller vision of the name manifest. Turn with me to Colossians 1.19. Say there when you're there. (laughs) En route. Colossians 1.19 says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. Who's Him, church? Jesus. And through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, whether things on earth or whether things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Jesus, the Messiah, the God-man, had the fullness of God dwelling in Him. God's goal is and was to reconcile all things and make His name known through this one person. God chose Jesus to make God's name known throughout the entire earth. Let's look at what Philippians says about that name and that man, Jesus. Philippians 2, verse 9. There. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Church, we've been taught to look at what therefore is therefore. He is therefore exalted. Why is he exalted? He was exalted because he conquered all. He was exalted because he sacrificed all. He was exalted because he withstood all. And he has been exalted to the highest place. That blood that he shed exalted him because he sacrificed with a full price kind of mentality. He laid down everything before the throne and then God lifted him from that place. And he is allowing us now to participate in that blood. What it does is it seats us with him. It arraigns us with someone who paid a cost that we could never pay. And we owe him our lives. The greater truth, though, is that the whole world owes him lordship. And I'm waiting for that day to be fulfilled. Turn on over with us to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to read a couple verses in this first chapter here. When you get to verse 3, say there. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being catch this sustaining all things by his powerful word that is a powerful kind of word when his words proceed from his mouth they sustain everything going on around him that's a powerful statement after he had provided purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven look Jesus is exactly how God chose for His name to be made known throughout all the earth. And any word that proceeded from Jesus' mouth is the sustaining power for all of God's creation. That is incredible. In John chapter 1, we learn that Jesus was that sustaining word with the Father from the very beginning of time. Amen. Oh my goodness. Jesus is that exact and perfect 
representation of the Father and the exact and perfect representation of the name of the Father. Church, it is through this name of Jesus Christ that we see God's character, we see His reputation, and we see God's body of work being displayed throughout all of the earth. He was given a name that was higher than every name. Imagine that, church. That is because if you were to call on God, if you were to call on the name of the Lord, who must you call out to? You must call out to Jesus because His name is given for mediation between us and God. He has a name that is higher above every name. He has a name that's higher than El. Israel, he has a name that's higher than El Olam and El Shaddai. Imagine that, church. This is the Jesus that we come to worship. This is the Jesus that has moved in your lives. This is the Jesus that has opened up your eyes and brought you from darkness into light. Come on, isn't that name glorious, church? Isn't that a glorious name? It is through that name that God's character is spread throughout the earth. I want to tell you why I love that glorious name. I want to tell you why that name is worthy and why that name is higher than every other name. Revelation 19.11 says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on on. his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped with the blood of his enemies and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in white fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule over them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe, on his thigh, he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me tell you how glorious that name is, church. That name is worthy to be praised whether or not we see it or not. That name is worthy to be praised whether He gives us good gifts or not because of who He is. Let me tell you why I love that name. Because Titus 2 verse 13 says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, which is to come, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that were His very own, Eager to do what is good. Come on, He is the rider on the white horse, but He gave Himself for us, church. His name is glorious. His name is worthy to be praised and worthy to go out through all the earth. Isn't it not? Amen. Come on, Judah. Tell us why you love that name. I love that name. I read in Revelation 5, in the second verse, and it says that a mighty angel was proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy? Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or under the earth could open the scroll or look inside. And nobody was worthy. I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside in the book. Then one of the elders said to me, praise God for those elders. Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. I love that we have a lion of God who is worthy, who is able to reach into our situation and move. When no one else can do a thing, 
when no one else's arm is long enough or strong enough. His always is. He is that victorious lion. He was that victorious lion in my life now. And he will be tomorrow. He is in your life now and he will be in our children's lives tomorrow. That victorious lion is complex though. As mighty as he is, he is also loving. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne and circled by the four living creatures and the elders yet again. He had a seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Man, I love our God. He is powerful and yet complex. He is one name, Jesus Christ, and yet he has many names. He is one lamb and yet he is a lion. And there are seven spirits that are associated with him. He is everything that we need in every situation. He is all of the blood that you need to be redeemed from your sin. And all the lion-like power that you need to overcome your sin. He is our holy provider. In Psalm 62, 11, and the 12th verse, says, One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely reward each person according to what he has done. Man, oh man, we don't serve a God like Allah. We don't serve a God like Buddha. We don't serve a God that is off in the distance, far away from his people. He says, one thing I know and another I've heard. You are strong. His commandments are steadfast. They do not move. They're unchanging. And he is intensely loving like a father to his people. We serve an amazing and an awesome God. I've fallen in love with him and I think you have too. Do you guys want to praise him tonight? Can somebody give me a hallelujah in this room? Nick, why do you love Jesus? Man, Isaiah 53, verse 11 and 12 says, After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I love the powerful name of Jesus because he takes transgressors and sinners and wicked men and he makes them both great and strong. Do you love his name because of that? He has made transgressors that used to be transgressors, brought them into this place and made you both great and strong and seated you with Him in the heavenly realms. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, it says, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from Him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Listen to this to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and father to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus was the original, the OG, faithful martyr. He was the first fruits of those who will conquer death. And he is the ruler of the armies of God Almighty who will be victorious. Look, Jesus frees us from the captivity that we brought upon ourselves. And he brings us into his army to fight and hear this, win. 
And indeed, we will fight with him and we will win with him, church. Church, is he worthy? Is that name of Jesus worthy of your praise? Is that name of Jesus worthy of your affection? Is he worthy of your sacrifice? Yes. Come on, isn't that name glorious, church? Isn't that name beautiful to you tonight? Isn't that name worth dying for tonight? I want to tell you that we're not the only ones who think so. (laughs) You see, we know that God's name is glorious. But you want to know who also knew that before us? God knew that his own name is glorious. And I want to submit to you that God is passionate about his own name tonight. If you look at Exodus 34, verse 14, it says, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, did you hear that? His name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Why is a jealous God? It's because he knows that his name is the most glorious thing that you could ever be wrapped up in. He knows that everything else is an empty well and a broken cistern other than his name. He knows that the name of anything else falls woefully short than his name and therefore is to be thrown out completely. We are to take every other name, every other idol, put it on a boat, cast it out to the lake and sing the doxology because God's name is the highest name that there is. He doesn't allow the worship of other names because he's passionate about his own name, church. You ever been passionate about something that you've done? You ever made something and you can't help but to go back and look at it? You can't help but to go back and glory in what you've created? Well, I want to tell you something. God knows his own name is glorious and he is infatuated with himself. He is in love with his name because it is the most beautiful name that there is. He won't allow worship of any other name. He's a jealous God. Like a bridegroom and his bride-to-be, he requires that there is only one name that they are concerned about, that his bride is concerned about. There is only one name that is allowed in that marriage. There's only one name that is allowed to be held up as high as it goes. Everything else comes beneath it. I told you we were going to speak about the best subject. Mm. The very best. And like between a husband and life, when there is a sanctity, there is only one name that can be held. He requires from his church. He demands from his church. And he gives to his church his name. And he wants you to reciprocate because it is special. There really is nothing better in all creation than to be endowed with the name of God. And he requires that it be sacred, that it be holy, that it be your only pursuit, that all you care for is his name. What we want to do is make his name glorious. What we want to do is build his name and sacrifice for it. And we must remove all competitors from this holy marriage. Isaiah 42.7 says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. God knows that his glory is higher than all else. Therefore, he is offended at his glory going to idols or any other distraction. Say it with me. He is not going to give it up. He's not going to give his name up and he will not give up his church that bears his name. It's time that we continue to rise. Our king is looking down on us with favor. I said we reach to him in every area that we can. Why not? Let one sacrifice roll into another. 
Why not one act of obedience on. grow and build another one? It's yeah. time that we meet our Holy Savior. Amen. Ezekiel 36.22 says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. Israel's in a bad place right here. But the Lord's looking at his people and he's saying, hey, for the sake of my name, I'm going to bring you out of this pit. For the sake of my name, I'm going to put my glory among you once more. For the sake of my name, I'm going to raise you up. Guys, if we stand with the Lord tonight, if we make our life about standing for the name of Christ, then he will delight in putting his name in our midst. He will delight in emboldening us with his power. He will delight in giving us all the delights of heaven because we stand for his name. Do you want to do that together, church? His name is the most glorious thing that we can attain. His reputation is the most glorious thing that we can go after. Guys, if we take this concept further, and we're actually standing with the Lord, we're standing for the integrity of His name, because we know that He's put His name on us, then there's nothing that is more important, and there's nothing that the Lord also desires to bless more than that. He desires to pour out his blessing on a group of people that are infatuated, obsessed with the glory of his name. The Lord favors, gives prosperity even to a group of people that are obsessed with that. Man, Nick, I can see some Christians in this room that are bearing his name right now. I see Bajidar, Elder Baj back there. I see a few others back here like Gabriel Arias. That we are sacrificing for the Lord and He has placed His name upon you. Marlon sitting back there with Cody. The name of God is upon you. That means His delight, His praise, His expectations are upon your life. Like a favored son or a bride that is all that you want out of life. The Lord looks at you, LCM, that way. Yes. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 1 verse 10. You're going to want to see this. You're going to want to see this, church. Say there when you're there. Verse 10, oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Now, why is God saying that? He's saying that because he's not finding the sacrifices of the Israelites acceptable. They're not making the right sacrifices and the rights, the right sacrifices glorify God's name but these sacrifices aren't doing that and therefore God is saying I will not accept it now that doesn't apply to this church because I see this church making right sacrifices but let's see why God wants right sacrifices do you want to see why God wants right sacrifices verse 11 my name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun and every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations says god almighty 
God loves His name so much that He wants the nations to know it. He wants everybody to know that name. He wants everybody to experience that name. God wants all nations to know His name. And He says, all nations will know my name. I've got a picture I want to put on the screen for you. We started the message by praying and asking God to give us vision. I want to submit to you that God has already given this church vision. God has given our pastors vision. And this was drawn out of a vision that was received by our pastors from the Lord. You see a tree that is stretching out and many, many branches. The tree, there are are 12, 12 limbs that are growing and feeding 70 branches. Those 12 limbs, church, represent the 12 churches that will be planted in the United States from this church. Those 70 nations, those 70 branches represent the churches that will be planted in the foreign nations coming from the churches here in the States. Church, God has given us a vision to stretch out and bring His name to plant the banner of His name all across the earth through this. God's going to do it. But what we need, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to learn how to grow in that name. We're going to have to learn what it means to take that name to the world. And we're going to have to learn how to take that name. Do you want to learn how to take that name? Yes. I'm going to tell you. The Lord is bringing the one association through cycles of growth so that we can reach this goal on the earth. I want to tell you that in five years, this very church may not look the same. I want to tell you that in five years, the one association may not look the same. There may be people traveling in and out, but you want to know one thing is for sure. We are all together going to build the name on this earth. Amen. How do we make that name known? Man, the Lord lays out some scriptural precedents for us that help us. It's kind of amazing. It's almost like he wants us to succeed. The Lord has ordained specific times for men to see the kingdom of God realized. And we're standing in those times. I want to briefly show you in the following scriptures how the Lord ordains specific moments for specific men. Because we believe you are called from eternity to be here now. That you were destined to accomplish this. That as we walk in this, we're walking in the plan of God on earth as we see His kingdom ushered in. Turn to Deuteronomy 12. Say there when you're there. We're going to pick up in the fifth verse. But you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose. Say seek it. From among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. The time and the place are not negotiable. When and where is not up to our preference. In Psalm 31, David says, my times are in your hands. In the book of Acts, Paul says they ordained the places that we would live and that we would work. I want to remind you this evening that just like in the days when the temple, the tabernacle were being built, there was a specific place that you were called to. You know that you're where you're called to be. I want to tell you that you're positioned perfectly tonight. That you have placed yourself where the Lord wishes for you to be to be able to advance the kingdom. A specific place and a specific time. 
Now is the time for us to branch out further than we ever have before. Deuteronomy 11, or 12, 11, a couple verses up. Then to the place your Lord God will choose as a dwelling for his name. There you are to bring everything I command you. See, the Lord has chosen a place for us. In this passage, it's future tense. We are hoping that one day the Lord will make it clear to us where he has chosen. But saints, we're living in a day when he has made it clear to us what he wants us to build. Can somebody rejoice for having a clear plan? See, I can be simple. Sometimes I just want a clear fight. I don't... I am longing for the days when I know exactly what we are called to do. In this moment, the Lord is unifying us. Regardless of where we came from, what our occupation is, who we are, He has brought us here because we are part of the arm of the Lord that is going to build His temple on earth in our day. And we are going to do it together. Deuteronomy 16.7 says, Roast it and eat at the place the Lord your God will choose. Man, oh man, it would be so easy to think this is just a miscellaneous scripture. We accidentally included it. It's not true, though. See, the priest, when they were operating in the will of God, they made sacrifices. They worked. And in that place that God caused them to dwell, they did something. They ate, they drank, and they rejoiced. Can somebody say amen to rejoicing in the will of God? It was always meant to be enjoyed by the priest. The priesthood was holy and they lived in sacrifice in this specific room that God had set up where his name would dwell. They rejoiced and partook in the fellowship of sufferings. The people of God had an opportunity to lay up a sacrifice that they all got to see and participate in. Did you get to experience this tonight? Yes. And I find that kind of addicting. I really like standing with people on the left and right that I know are wholly committed to the Lord. It almost makes me want to spur on a little further. I may be broke, but there are other areas that I can sacrifice in. Man, what can we do tomorrow? What can we do with each other over the coming days? See, we are to be a people that is holy and set apart. A priesthood is something that is regulated. And we hear about this in the New Testament, and sometimes it loses its effect on us. See, I hear about priests in the news that are not doing good things that are holy. I read about priests a long time ago making sacrifices, but I've never seen a sacrifice. Mm. See, a holy and set-apart priesthood was a very special thing. They were familiar with sacrifice and trained from birth to accomplish it. It wasn't just for everybody. The Lord has invited us into something that is very, very special. Your right to sacrifice for the Lord, to be counted as a priest means that out of all of the people on the earth, the Lord has decided that you will be his ambassador. You will be the one out of my people that will make a bridge between God and man. That when you sacrifice, you have the ability to see souls set free. You were ordained his instrument on earth. Are you starting to see a pattern form? Let's look back to the last message in building the name. God chose a specific place and he told the Israelites, my name would dwell there forever. We remember what God did there. We remember what Jesus fulfilled there. We're going to develop this pattern and we're going to see how he did it. Amen? Amen. In Genesis 22, verse 2, Abraham goes up to that place where God's name would dwell. And in verse 2, it says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Do you see? Abraham was required to sacrifice his only son. 
His only son and the one he loved. He was required to sacrifice the one thing he loved and the only... Now we know he had Ishmael as a son. But God counted this son as only because this is the son of the promise. God is asking Abraham, I want you to sacrifice the only promise you've ever had. I want you to give it up. No, not the one that you don't care about too much. Not the one that you kind of keep on the side in your closet to dust off. The one you love. That's what I'm asking you to sacrifice. If we skip down to verse 6, it says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Man, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It reminds me of God the Father placing the cross on Jesus. What a beautiful picture. If we skip down to verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, what's that place, church? Mount Moriah. It's the, the, the mountain of where God's temple would be, would be built. Abraham built an altar there and arranged a wood. How funny is that? There's another altar going to be built there later on, Amen. but we're going to get there in a second. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Whew. It's almost like God the Father is showing us how to sacrifice for the name by laying his son on the wood and binding him to it. Verse 10, he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. I believe that if the angel wouldn't have called, Abraham would have done it. Yes. I believe there was no reserve in Abraham. He was about to do the one thing God told him because he honored the name that called him to do it. The story goes on as we're going to find out a little bit later. Abraham doesn't do it, but God takes the knife out of Abraham's, out of Abraham's hand and he slays his own son. Abraham was fully committed in his actions. Amen. Verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up. He saw a ram caught by its horn. In verse 14, he names that place. The Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Amen. What an incredible passage. Abraham is showing us how to further God's name. He is showing us the only way to take that name and make it known. You see, we all want to be saved from that moment. Sunday, I believe all of you took part in that moment. Come on. But our natural position is to want to be saved from that moment. I believe if God would not have spoken, Abraham would have done it. He was not looking for a way out because he wanted to further that name. We know that you guys want to further that name. Turn with us to 2 Samuel chapter 24. We're going to look at another example of the kind of sacrifice that furthers the name of God. You see... Not just in this day and age, but throughout history, it's rare to encounter those that are willing to go to whatever length necessary to further glorify God's name. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, we have a great man of God who's made a great mistake. His faith wavered. His trust in the Lord was found lacking, and he sinned. But he had the response that you would expect that a man of God would have. In response to his own lack, in response to his own sin, a prophet comes 
tells him, hey, David, go visit this man. I have a task for you. And I'm going to see if you're going to give fully your whole heart to this task. Pick up with us in, in uh, chapter 24, verse 21. Aruna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant to buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take whatever pleases him and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering. Here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. O king, Aruna gives all this to the king. And Aruna also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. Man, isn't this an opportunity for a sigh of relief for the man of God? (laughs) Ah, I came here, I was obedient to the Lord, and look, look how he provided everything. In the end, all I had to do was make the journey to the place, and then nothing else was required of me. No, that's not true, church. That's not true. David both went to the place that God required him to be, and he sacrificed all in order to establish God's kingdom, God's altar, God's presence, God's name on the earth. Says the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You see, we live to sacrifice for the king. We live to sacrifice for the name of Jesus. Don't you guys love the way that this church is turning out? Don't you love the way that this place looks? You guys sacrificed for this. You think that these materials didn't cost anything? You know, there's a certain contracting company that poured out materials and provision so that we can enjoy what the Lord's blessed us with here. Isn't that special kind of sacrifice? This is happening all around this church. Do you know how many hours our elders have spent at dear cost to them in sacrifice for the Lord and for his people? Hours and hours and hours of labor, hours and hours of construction, hours and hours of repair. But it's worth it to build the name of God. Guys, you, me, we have more things to give. You, me, we have more things to sacrifice. Don't wait for just the right moment. Go ahead and jump in with the rest of us because we're all going after it for the glory of the name. We're all after God's glory. And you don't have to have some specialized um, talent in order to pour yourself out in sacrifice. You don't have to be a rich man. Quite honestly, almost none of us have provision like that. Just jump in and start sacrificing. Come on. It says, David bought the threshing floor and the oxen, and he paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there, and he sacrificed burnt offerings. He sacrificed fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. Amen. The result of David's full-price sacrifice is a place where the very glory of the Lord dwelt. Do you guys 
value experiencing the glory of the Lord in this place? I do. Oh my goodness. Chris, do you value experiencing the glory of God when we worship his name? I'm telling you guys, I value experiencing the glory of God's presence in our midst. Guys, as much as we learn how to sacrifice, as much as we learn how to pour our lives out to death, as much as we learn how to jump in there and just give it all every time, it's as much as we can experience the glory of the name of Christ dwelling in our midst. Who wants to go after it with us? I do. I do too. God's going to bless these efforts. Let's take Sunday and build upon what the Lord is doing in our midst. Guys, I don't know how else to say how special this season that we're in is. You see, with provision, the Lord, the Lord is pouring out buckets and buckets and buckets of provision because He's given us vision. And He's given us the ability to sacrifice so that we can see that vision come to pass in our lifetime and beyond. Guys, let's not miss this. Let's join hands, join arms, join families, join provision, join everything. All the blessings that the Lord has given us. And let's go after these 12 springs. Let's see 70 palm trees around this planet spring up. Let's see the name be glorified in places that it hasn't been glorified yet. Come on, who's with us tonight? Hallelujah. And can you imagine that if you were in David's position... Or on Sunday, we were one of those churches that had a meter going up, like Pastor talked about. And you let some subtle thought deprive you of having paid the full cost. If you let something deprive you from getting all the way to zero, to that place where we all know we're standing fully committed together, you understand what kind of sweetness that steals? We have a sweetness that is born of Jesus from every man not caring how close we are, not caring what is needed, but only what you could possibly give. We're speaking about what happened on Sunday, but we're speaking about tomorrow in our lives. When we're praying for each other, when we're reading the scripture, is it all about you or ever increasingly? Is there a desire for suffering to see the global body renewed? You see, that feeling that we had that is like David, that is, no, I don't care. I don't care where we're at. I don't care how many people just gave in front of me. I want to pay the full price before the Lord. Because it is worth it when I stand before my King. I want to have given. And I want to stand in the fellowship of suffering. Matthew 26 verse 42 details Jesus' wrestling. And He did not yield. You see, He was praying, laboring with the great gravity of the cost that He had before Him. And yet, He was not deprived. He was not deprived in any way, neither was his heavenly father. He was not deprived even a little bit. We get to participate in that same kind of glorious sacrifice when we don't allow ourselves to be deprived by giving the Lord a half-hearted effort in any regard. Imagine for a moment if Jesus gave 80%. What would that look like? Is 80% of your body saved and the other 20% is getting burned? Does that mean 80% of us are going to make it and the others aren't? See, the reason that he laid down a full price mentality is not just because it's necessary for the kingdom. It's because it brings about life inside of you. Can you begin to recognize that? What areas can you go after the king of kings by sacrificing all that is beyond financial? We've done our very due diligence. We're going to continue to do it many more times in the future. But this feeling does not have to leave us. 
we can participate in that same wrestling of Christ that gives us such unity in His fellowship. Here and now, we get to usher in salvation on a global scale. The glory of that name begins to live in us when as one body, we bear it and give all. Amen. Church, let's put this together for a second. Are you starting to see the pattern? You see, there was a place that was prophesied that God's name would dwell. Abraham goes to that place and he says, I will sacrifice so that name would dwell forever. David, building upon the sacrifice that Abraham made, he looks back and he says, I won't let that sacrifice be nothing. I too will pay full price at that same exact place. Amen. Jesus looking back at the other men, he says, not my will, but your will be done so that your name would dwell forever. They would not allow the previous sacrifices to go for nothing. (laughs) The pattern is that we always have to sacrifice so that God's name would dwell. It costs us something, church, but it is a glorious cost. This is how the family of God built His name in the past. They have laid down the pattern for us. They have sacrificed upon sacrifice of costing everything for His name to dwell. We must follow that same pattern, church. It's going to cost sacrifice for His name to dwell. Yeah. These men made right sacrifices, total, complete, and costly sacrifices because the name is worthy. God has chosen a place for LCM to make His name known. It is the place of emptying ourselves and filling up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ throughout the nations. That is our place in this world, church. That is the place that God has chosen for us to go out and fill up what is lacking so that His name may grow throughout the earth. We see this taken a little bit further in Hebrews 2, verse 9. Hebrews 2, verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels. Why was He made a little bit lower than the angels, by the way? Because He already was higher. He had to be reduced to be made a little lower. Now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Church, Jesus was made perfect through suffering. His name was made perfect through suffering. The name of God in Him was made perfect through suffering. We have to go through suffering to be made perfect. We have to go through that process. And I want to tell you something. It's not that we have to. We get to go through the process of perfection. Man, what a glorious thing to be perfected in Christ, isn't it? We get to go through that process. Jesus perfected the name because He suffered. He brought glory to the name because He suffered. And we get to bring glory to the name because we get to suffer. After Jesus did His work to secure glory for the name and showed Himself, whose turn was it from there? (laughs) See, after Jesus did His work, who's got to carry it? We do. It was His disciples. You see, after Jesus was crucified and He was resurrected, it was on. 
Now the disciples, with confidence and reassurance, were going to go out and do the same thing because they wanted to bring glory to God's name. They were going to go out and suffer for God's name because they saw their king do it and they wanted to walk in his footsteps. They were ready to follow the pattern. Jesus made real sons through his suffering. And real sons are brought into glory by being made perfect through suffering. You see, real sons care about the name of the family. And they are willing to suffer for it. Suffering is key. Suffering is necessary to produce glory for God's name. Suffering and glory for the name of God are inextricably linked in our lives. Suffering and God's glory will never, they can never, Be separated from one another. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 is a passage that we love. His intent, yeah, yeah, Pastor Wade, you love this passage. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It's important. It's really, really important to make sure that Your perspective is not so narrow that you're not just intent and focused on magnifying the glory of the name of God in the physical. You see, when we suffer, it's just as important, if not more important, what is happening in the spiritual and in the heavenly realms all around us, what we can't see. You see, how we deal with suffering, how we deal with hardship is magnified in the heavenly realms. They are watching at all times and what you are doing when you're dealing with hardships and suffering in your life because you carry the name of Christ. According to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in Him and through Him, through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Amen. I yeah. ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Wow. Paul looked at the church in Ephesus and said, what I'm suffering is glory not just to the king. It's glory to you guys. Amen. I want to take this moment and tell you that some of our light and momentary troubles in the hospital has been for all of our glory. Not just for the glory of God, not just for my glory, not just for Sam's glory, not just for our generation's glory. It's been for all of our glory. Do you guys remember how you felt? Yeah. Do you guys remember how you felt when you got that text message from us that said 20 days later, we have a signed medical document saying that Jesus Christ has done a medically documented miracle. Absolutely unexplainable in the physical. But I tell you, the Lord is not just ringing out his testimony in the physical, not just ringing out his testimony on that floor of the hospital. Not just changing hearts with people that are interacting with those whom His Spirit dwells. He's ringing out a message in the heavenly realm saying, Look, these people, this church is a church where my name and my glory dwell. And look how they respond to trials. Look how they respond to persecutions. My glory, 
my name will be magnified among the nations and it will be magnified among the heavenly realms. Guys, we could not have done that without the Spirit of God and we could not have done that without this body. It's not just His glory. It's all of our glory together. God delights in using His church to display the manifold wisdom to the heavenly realms. How does he display that manifold wisdom? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 4, the ninth verse with me. Say there when you're there. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. Like men condemned to die in the arena, we have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. You see... What is found in Ephesians 3 is made manifest in our lives as we are suffering and being put on display both to men and to angels. Amongst the whole universe, the cosmos, God's name is made known. And it's a good name. Have you ever wondered what that looks like? What it looks like is ending up in the hospital and considering it pure joy and looking for the opportunity to share the gospel with everybody that you run into. You might consider... Areas of your life that you have an opportunity that we've been neglecting. Are you sick and the first thing that you do is run and ask everyone to pray for you? Maybe we should turn and say, who can I labor in prayer for? Can I maybe devote my mind, my attention away from my own personal feelings in this moment? And who in the church needs healing in this moment? See, we need to lift our eyes up from our own problems to what God is trying to do in the room. And He will make His manifest wisdom displayed in here. See, I'm encouraged by a brother in this room that I love dearly. And he's hiding from me by getting into the furthest corner of the building. His name is Brother Ohad. And I'm watching through difficulty as he continues to press into our way of life. Day after day, things are not always where he wants them to be, but he's drawing closer to the Lord. And what that does is it produces a manifest wisdom as something that is born from above as a testimony on earth. See, brother, a light is not very useful in a well-lit room. Lights are meant to shine in darkness. That brother is a light that is a son of God that is going to burn brightly in here. Which of you in this room are standing here with callings that are meant to burn because of the suffering that you delight in taking in? See, you, you want to see your calling rise. You want to accomplish what you're called to do, the earth. Maybe it's time that we take our difficulties a little more seriously by changing our mindset. See, the king of kings has good things in store for us. Even when something looks like it's bad, he brings life right out of it. He brings verified miracles. He brings salvations. He brings testimonies from the living God into this world. I want testimonies. And I want to see the miraculous. And I know you do too. You want to see the miraculous? If we are fools for Christ, but you are so wise, we are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted and endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. God puts his servants on display through their suffering so that the world can see they are living for something that is worth dying for. The name is worth dying for. Refuse in this world, but the manifest display of his glorious name. That is our inheritance, saints. And we don't have to settle for anything less. 
This whole world around us wants to become kings before Christ is. They want to talk about how He was crucified, but they will not be here when He comes back and reigning. They will not be standing against the Antichrist. And yet, here in this room, we are able to take steps that are bringing us closer to the kingdom of God coming back to the earth. Come on, church. How and why would somebody be willing to make themselves the scum of the earth? Because His name is worth it. You see, when we make ourselves the scum of the earth, when we make ourselves walking about in rags, tattered, hungry, poor, tired, broken, it shows that we've got something worth living and dying for. It shows the eternal glory of God's name through our actions when we suffer for His name and we do it with joy. Come on, what would have happened if Nick and Sam would have gone to the hospital and, oh, well, bummer. We're here. We could be with our our friends and family worshiping. What would that do to God's name? What would that do to God's testimony throughout all the earth? How would that make God feel when he's jealous about his own name? But see, I watched them do it with joy because they knew that God's name was on the line. I watched them in the hospital with a smile on their face because they knew that God's name was upon them and they wanted to make that name known. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 30. God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He puts His name on the foolish things of the world, church. Not the well-dressed, not the well-fed, not the most equipped. He puts His name on the foolish things of this world. Things that seem completely contrary to what we would associate with a king and a kingdom. He does that so that people know that this kingdom is not of this world. This kingdom is spiritual. This kingdom is coming to reign and it has nothing to do with this world system. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Things that are not. Come on, some of you feel like you are something that's not yet. Oh yeah. I don't know about you, but all the time I feel like I'm something that's not. Except God's name dwells in me because I'm walking in Him. He does this to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. Oh, let no one boast before Him. Let His name be elevated higher in our lives. Let His name be taken further in our lives. And let not one of us boast because we suffer for that name. It seems so foolish to suffer the way we do. People look at, at those who suffer for the name and they go, come on, there has to be another way. Yeah. There has to be another way to glorify God's name. But it, there's not. This is the pattern that God has handed down to us. It is necessary to be emptied of ourselves so that God's name gets glory. That's the only way. Amen. You cannot give God's name glory if you are full of yourself. Because inevitably you will take credit for it. Inevitably you will try to glory in what you did. That's why God puts, that's why God grants, that's why God gives the gift of suffering to make His name known. I think of a testimony about my dad. I was dwelling on this the other night. At 17 years old, I watched my dad work many hours of overtime. Many hours of overtime. With no thanks. With no promise of a reward. He worked those hours of overtime so that he could take that money 
and take my family to Mexico so that we could see God's name being made known. You know what happened in Mexico? See, my, God, my dad had no way of knowing this. He only knew that spreading God's name requires a sacrifice. He had no way of knowing that that would be the place where the Treesters met the Piros and the Stevens. What would have happened if that sacrifice was never made? Do you think there were many people that came and said, come on, brother, you can serve God here. And yet, all he knew was to sacrifice. I remember I was, seven, I was about 19 years old when God told me to take the only possession I had, sell it, and buy a ticket to Africa. You know what I didn't know? I didn't know that that trip would endear my heart to LCM in such a way that I couldn't stay away from it. I had to go to Africa to find my calling in LCM. <laughs> but you know what I didn't know? All I knew at that time that it was costing me everything. All I knew is that the one possession, a car that I had, was the only possession I had. I didn't know that God was going to cause His name to grow in me by that sacrifice. Sacrifice is the way to show God's name glorious. You know, Muslims, they say God is greater when they take a life. They think that the name of their God is greater by killing someone. But the honest truth is that the name of our God is greater when we give our life for it. Yes. Because it shows that He is worthy of that sacrifice. He yeah. is worthy of dying for. Yes. He is so worthy yes. tonight. Come on. What everybody. does 2 Corinthians 12 say? Yeah, everybody, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 12. Everybody. Land on verse 9 when you get there. Say sacrifice when you get there. Sacrifice is not a dirty word. Sacrifice is a glorious word. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Look, I don't care. I don't care what you're struggling with, that you've been struggling with, that you're struggling with right now. I don't care what it is. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how much of a grip you think that it has on you. God's grace is sufficient for you tonight. And it will always be sufficient for you. The only barrier of entry to God's grace being sufficient for you is that His power is made perfect in your perceived weakness. You see, you have to be able to know and perceive where you're weak. You have to be able to know and perceive the facts in your life. I'm not strong in this area. And I keep falling in this area. And I keep getting on my face in this area. And it's not working out. And I'm perceiving that right now. And I'm saying I'm weak here. And God, I need your strength and your grace to be sufficient for me right now. Amen. It stops tonight. Paul says, he goes as far as to say, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Here's a little secret, guys. Your weakness, your sin can actually be something that the Lord displays His, the power of His great name through you in defeating that sin that is glory and His grace comes and totally smashes that sin and His name gets glory because of that. Amen. 
You can give His name glory tonight as you walk away from unholiness and you walk in holiness, a newfound holiness in His name. You can bring His name glory tonight by getting free of anything that's been eating your lunch in the past. Look at verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. Somebody say delight. 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 I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Look, we prayed at the beginning of this word for revelation and insight for our eyes to be open. This is one of those moments. One of those moments where we're praying that the Holy Spirit would breathe upon us tonight. Look, you've been getting eaten by sin in one part of your life. His grace can come in tonight and His glory can be revealed in your life as you put it to death. Look, sickness been eating your lunch this week? Join the club. It's something that you can delight in. It's something that God can actually gain glory through you. Because His name's on you. His name is on you. So if you're sick and you're delighting in the sickness, you're delighting in the hardship, that brings His name glory. That sacrifice is glorious to the name of God. Put a smile on your face because you carry God's name. Guys, if you have a hospital visit, delight in your hospital visit because you know the one that you're representing there. You want His name to be glorified. You want His name to be magnified. You want it to be the highest name, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty God, no matter where you are. It doesn't matter. Abuse at work. It doesn't matter. Sleepless nights. It doesn't matter. Hard work. Delight in those opportunities that His name would gain glory through you. Amen. You know, there's a certain type of soldier that gets excited when they go to war. There's a certain type of soldier that gets excited when there are plenty of enemies because they see it as an opportunity. Do we still have some DCD men in this room? Do we still have some Legio Fulminata men in this room? I want to tell you that we have an unlimited opportunity ahead of us. Philippians 3, 8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Man, how much of Christ do you want to have? He says, I've lost all things that I may gain Christ. He saw it as an opportunity. It is available to you. It's available to me. It's available to us. We can have as much of Christ as we want by losing all things in every area. There's no bars. There's no limit. There is no restraints on how much you can have. We are free to have Christ. Every man has this available to him, whether you're wealthy, whether you're poor, eloquent or slow of tongue. Each of us have an equal opportunity that nobody can stop you from giving your all again and again and you receive more of Christ. You see, it doesn't matter if you have $10,000 or if you have $1,000. Your last penny is your last penny. We have equality in Christ in that right now we all get the opportunity to give ourselves wholly over to him again and again in every area. And we will participate in that same kind of euphoric unity that we did today. As we keep going, it says, 
I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Does it sound like Paul's addicted? And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Church, I want to ask you to strip away your familiarity with this scripture. Would it not be considered strange to hear someone say that they desire pain and hardship? That is what he is saying. I desire to participate in pain, hardship, losses. But it's because he is so familiar with that name and what it brings. What it means to participate in that Christ, in that name. The more that we begin to catch that vision inside of our eyes, this ceases to become a familiar scripture that is on a page and becomes your driving passion that says, I will not stop until I see it. I want it again. I want it again. Where else can I sacrifice for you, Lord? It's my delight. I'm looking just to have your favor on my eyes. Can I do something for one of my brothers? Can I do something that would spiritually edify them, that would advance their calling? Something that wouldn't benefit me at all, but would be a sacrifice in your eyes that is holy and righteous. But when we have that revelation of his name, How great and glorious His name is. As Don Potter says, it's a good name. name. You can't help but want to suffer. Come on, in Acts chapter 5, the disciples are, are catching the vision for the church of Jesus Christ. And they're also catching the vision of what suffering for the name, how glorious it actually is. And they're all, they're standing before a group of leaders And Gamaliel, the Pharisee, is is looking and he's counseling with his leadership and he's saying, hey, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. This is a wise statement right here. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. I'm here to say tonight, we're here to say tonight, that 12 springs, 70 palm trees, and the vision that the One Association is going after is not of earthly origin. It's of heavenly origin. And we cannot fail, church. We cannot fail. It's important that our activities line up with the heavenly mandate from heaven. That our sacrifices line up with the heavenly mandate and purposes of heaven. It's not just any sacrifices that the Lord is after. The Lord is after sacrifices that line up with the mandate from heaven that he's given to a church, that he's given to a group of churches, that he's given to a group of people that represent his name. So our goal, our vision, our purpose is to sacrifice to make sure that these heavenly purposes happen. Because in the name of Jesus, they are going to happen. Get on this bandwagon, church. Get on what the Lord is doing because it's only going to be for a season that you're going to be able to take advantage of this opportunity. It's only a season that you can jump on and take advantage of the Lord doing something and you participating in what the Lord's doing. You know, Nick, I think they're loving suffering more and more. It's kind of crazy watching it in their eyes. It's inspiring. The more that we start to... Joy in receiving suffering and recognizing that our origin is of God. That means that you're unstoppable, church. 
the more that you can continue to rep that in your mind. Like Hebrews speaks about in those earlier days in a great contest of faith, that's what we are made for. Then you become an unstoppable body. And the vision of God becomes a certainty on the earth through us. In the back passage where Nick was sharing in Acts 5, it says that the Sanhedrin told them not to speak anymore in that name. Good luck. But they did it anyway because they couldn't stop speaking in that name. (laughs) They got disciplined. They suffered lashings and they went away rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. Oh, it is a good thing to be counted worthy to suffer for his name. It reminds me of Nick and I in India standing before a crowd of Hindus almost beaten to death. But I want to tell you, church, I have never felt more alive than in that moment. I have never felt more I've never felt closer to Jesus than I did in that moment. I have never felt so full of joy than I did in that moment. It reminds me of Cody and I standing in the Montrose with a (laughs) six-foot-six Nephilim about to bash our heads in with a crowbar. I want to tell you I've never felt closer to Jesus than I did in that moment because I was uniting with Jesus in His suffering. I want to tell you that that is a closeness to the name that you have to experience, church. How about the feeling of giving your funds until you've got nothing left? Until you're suffering for it. Come on. That great. feels so good, church. Let's do it again. We used to call it the best tired in town. Because you know that you gave it all for the name. That is the best feeling. That is worth feeling. You feel close to the name. Acts 9.15 was spoken about Paul. It says, go. This is my man chosen to carry my name before the Gentiles and hear their kings before the people of Israel. I want to tell you that you are chosen to carry God's names before kings. To carry God's name before kings. 16. What comes with carrying that God name? What, what comes with carrying God's name in verse 16 is, I will show how much he must suffer for my name. Suffering glorifies God's name. Do you think that Paul was sad about this? No. I think he was chomping at the bit. I want to suffer for that name because I want it to be glorified. In Acts 21 verse 13, Paul said, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus. Come on. Not only to be bound, but ready to die for that name, church. That name becomes so precious to us. When we sacrifice for that name, it produces the the desire to want to sacrifice more because that name is growing and that revelation is growing on the earth. Best job I ever had, pastors. Look, church, if you've plateaued in some way, if you've even taken a couple steps back in some way, you know what the remedy of that is? is to pay the full price right here, right now. Amen. To just pour it out, everything that you got, the greatest sacrifice that you can think of for the Lord, because His name is worth it. Look, yeah. if, his, if His grace has been without effect in your life up to this point, in certain areas, in big areas, in small areas, you know what the, the uh, remedy for that is? Is to sacrifice everything that you have. To pay the full price all over again. To find the biggest thing that you can sacrifice to the Lord and put it all out on the table. With no regrets, no surrender, no backing up, but moving forward with the greatest sacrifice you can think of. I promise you, 
That that will shake you from your sleep. I promise you that that will give you the kick forward in the kingdom that you need to be sustained and go forward in your maturity with the Lord. I promise that if you're lacking in that kind of affirmation from heaven, if you need that heavenly affirmation in your life, pick up that sacrifice. Put your heart on the altar. Sacrifice the biggest thing that you can think of. And the Lord's heart will be close to you. I promise that he will be moved by what you do. There's no place to to stay in stagnancy, to stay in moving back. We're going forward, church. All of us and all of us together, we are all going to move forward in this together. We're all going to sacrifice all and we're going to do it together. Amen? Amen. Church, I promise that we are moving towards a place where we are going to unify again in the presence of God as one man. But I want to remind you one last thing that the pastors already spoke about. It is a special thing that you've gotten to do. That the Lord views you as special in this moment. First Peter 4 tells us, Do not be surprised by painful trials, but that we're going to rejoice that we participated in the sufferings of Christ so that we may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Saints, reading this passage, I was... Just moved thinking of when His glory is revealed. His glory is going to be revealed on that day. When He is coming, making His appearance upon the earth. That the sufferings that you are choosing to participate in now, that He has granted unto us to participate in because we are His example on the earth, is going to be remembered on the day that His glory is revealed. It's easy for us to think about that in general, but there is a day... That our king is coming back and he's looking for those that were contending for his name. And I imagine that there are some men throughout history that his eyes were especially looking to find. And I am not at all ashamed of what we did on Sunday. I'm proud of it. And I'm looking for the opportunity to do it again with you. Our king is looking for the day that he gets to sit with Steve Thomas and reveal his glory. And you come and share it in it with him. Later on in the passage, it says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Verse 16 says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. That name. Somebody say what that name is in this room. Jesus! Suffering for the name is not for the one he is displeased with. You can suffer for all kinds of reasons on this earth, but he is pleased with you. When you suffer for his name. It says I am marking this one with my marks. That you are an example of who I am. And I am proud of you enough to the point. Where I want you to be identified with me. To the point where you can bear the marks of Christ on your body. To bear the marks of Christ on your body is a badge of honor. And Paul preached about it that way. When the Lord allows suffering in your life. That is because you bear the name. Because of the standard that you hold. The testimony that you stick to. It's time that we take that as a badge of honor that says, yeah, my father loves me. Of course it's happening. My father loves me and I'm going to do it again today, tomorrow, in the kind of forcefulness that has been preached about before. Because it is his badge of affirmation on your life. We've seen badges of affirmation on Alicia and Mario because they're warriors in the kingdom. Church, do you want to stop with a taste or do you want it all? At this point, we would like to move toward a close. <laughs> I know you've been suffering through this sermon. No, it was a great sermon. 
but his name is being made glorious tonight. You can see clearly through the scripture that any time God's name is furthered, suffering is involved. But man, those that suffer for his name, it's a joyful thing. There's no better honor than to suffer for that name. There's no better honor. It is a badge for us. It is something that we need to look forward to, that we need to be excited about. What can we give up? What can we do more? How could I stretch? How could I plant that name further? Philippians 1, verse 29 through 30. Is it a gift that you're in Christ? Come on, church. Is your salvation, has it been a gift to you? Has it been a gift to your family? Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. Man, isn't it so good that it has been granted unto you to believe in Him? Are you blessed by believing in Jesus? Are you blessed by walking in Jesus? It's also granted you not just to believe and not just to walk, but to suffer. That puts suffering for Jesus on a very high plane. You see, in Hebrews, it talks about those that suffered for God's name, and it says the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy to be around them. But it talks about in 1 Peter 4 that these men were counted worthy by God. They were counted worthy to suffer. This shows us that suffering is a gift that not everybody will get to experience. Not everybody will get to go into glory with that badge of honor that says, yeah, I suffered for the name because he was worthy and he is worth it. Not everyone gets to suffer for the name. Think about that. Only those who are counted worthy get to suffer. God's not going to send his worst soldiers into the thickest of the battle, is he? Because his name won't get accredited, the glory. What God's going to do is he's going to send those who are capable of suffering with a smile because that's how he's going to be made known glorious to the world. That's how we're going to reach. Do you think, do you honestly think for a second that we're going to reach the nation of Turkey with banners and flags and parties and pizza nights? Sounds funny, doesn't it? We're going to reach Turkey when we show them that this is a name, this is a calling that is worth dying for, and we're going to show it with our lives. And Jesus' name is going to be made known in all of these areas. Jesus' name is going to be made known in a swan. Jesus' name is going to be made known in all of the nations that you will go to, all the nations that you are called to, LCM. God's name is going to be made known. Any of you want to be counted worthy to suffer? James 4, verse 14 is a sobering truth. Makes me sad to think about it. Verse 14, it says, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears and for a little while and then vanishes. Our days are numbered, church. We only have a limited amount of time to get to suffer for the name. 
We should not waste those days counting up the sacrifices that our fathers made, that Abraham made, that David made, that Jesus made, and thinking that's enough. We have got a window of opportunity to shed our blood, to shed everything off of us, to empty ourselves for the rest of our lives. Only one, only one life which will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Oh, on that day, how happy I will be when the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. You have a short life, my friends. And that life will be magnified if it magnifies God's name. Come on, do you want to make your life count? Then let's rise up. Let's ask Him to fill our cup of suffering. Let's ask the King of Kings to give us the strength to do it again. To not just make Sunday a one-time occurrence, but stretch out because His name is worthy. His name is glorious. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. You must act. You must act on the life that Christ has given you. You must devote yourself to that name or it will go wasted. You must be willing to sacrifice with joy. How much glory do you want His name to have in your life? That will be reflected in how much suffering we embrace for Him. So Father, we thank You for this life that we have. Lord, we thank You that You have a glorious name and You have brought us into fellowship with You. Lord, You've included us in Your family. Mighty God, we ask that You would forge steel into our spines. Lord, to suffer not only once, but to develop a lifetime of suffering. Lord, to develop a lifetime of emptying ourselves. Lord, to develop a lifetime that doesn't care who sees us, but that You see us giving our all, mighty God. Lord, let pride be damned tonight. Let us not look at our brother's sacrifices. Lord, let us look at what we have to give and count you worthy of it in Jesus' name. Lord, let your name be magnified in this house tonight. Let us offer up our lives as a living sacrifice in your name.